That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. You're riding high in April, shot down in May. But I know I'm gonna change that tune. When I'm back on top, back on top in June. Hold on a second. When you start recording, there becomes like a little lag. You there? Yeah, you can hear me? Yeah, there was some lag there, but I think we're good. Oh, that's interesting. I, did, did you hear me say that or no? I don't know. I don't think so. Oh, okay, because I had just said it. I was like, oh, there's some lag, and then you oh, said no, it. Oh, no, I didn't hear that You couldn't all. hear me because of the lag. Um, oh, lagception. So you were so you were asking me, yeah, have I done that drive? Is that what you said, or what were you saying? Well, no, I mean you were saying that like you get mentally exhausted. Well, yeah, it was like you did it all in one shot. Like before, would you drive with somebody else who would like rotate out? Oh yeah, that just sleep. Just that drive in general. Yeah. Yeah, I've done that drive a bunch of times. Probably like seven or eight times, I would say. Yeah, but it's always you the whole way. I've done it a couple times with people, but the majority have been just me. Because mm-hmm. like moving here from California, I would drive with Nick, but he couldn't drive. Right. Um, but like he could drove by myself. Couldn't he have driven like that time before Joshua Tree? Nah. He, I think. How, Joshua Tree was when? December? He yeah. was only 16, but he doesn't have his permit yet. Oh, he really? Yeah. Dang, he's still only, for some reason, I thought he was like 18 or something or close to it. No, not yet. Dude, that is unreal. So he is like out there flying planes, but he can't even drive a car? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bro. It's, it's the crazy. Deal with that. It's just funny. He, Can anybody. The, Start like pilot school. Like how how old you got to be to fly planes? I think it's fifteen. You can start. Oh really? Okay. Or maybe it is sixteen. I don't know, but it's it's almost like um. He's flying planes, but it's just it's a different for like. I know it sounds crazy, right? But it's just um, which is it's crazy for me. It's crazy, <laughs> but the way the program is is like you can start. At 16, just like you start driving at 16. You know what I mean? What do you mean? In a sense that, like, it's uh, at that point, it's still very, like, sheltered. Like, you're with somebody the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So, it's like, it's not, it, it's like, um, with, when you turn 16, you have the option to go learn to get your permit for driving. It's right. just a different vehicle, right? But it just, it sounds crazy. And it, it, to me, it is crazy. But it also is – my dad was like, hey, I want you to learn to fly. And it's like, okay, it's just a different vehicle that he's using, which is yeah. – but it's a badass vehicle. Yeah, I mean I guess at the end of the day, there's probably not that – there's probably like zero carryover. Like it's not like, oh, if you've been driving for X amount of time, that might help you. Like I don't think – I'm trying to think of anything other than just the idea of like having a throttle and a 
yeah like something to steer with but yeah that's pretty strange dude you never thought about that yeah i did when i was like um when i would work with him when i was like 17 he was like i'll pay for you to do pilots like school to become a pilot and i just never never chose to do it mm. sometimes i look back and i'm like dang it would have been badass to learn yeah, like dude, you could still like your oh yeah for six. sure yeah for sure i could still learn but i would i would love for nick to get his and then to like fly me around and then it'd be like okay you know like i'm interested and then i would be able to learn maybe not through him but he would be a men- mentor to me which is which is crazy right like my little brother he's what almost six, is he 10 years younger than you yeah that is wild yeah it's crazy it's crazy to see him like really growing up now yeah not just a kid anymore yeah doing his own thing and 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 uh my relationship with him has gotten way better which is cool too just because you're wait why like we're we're just we're both has, older. Uh, okay you were always really close like even back here yeah yeah that's for sure okay so so i'm gonna do your intro um like i'm gonna pre-record your intro okay but i was gonna ask you so you're you i remember you saying you're a structural engineer correct yeah so what is like your actual job title what what did you what did you go to school for and um what did you get your profession in or what profession are you in currently so i went to school for like the degree, the program is actually called structural engineering. So most of the time it falls within civil, like, you know, what civil engineering, right? It's a lot of like city planning and it's uh-huh. like one of the most general terms, but it includes everything from like transportation, water resources, geotechnical, soil mechanics, um, basically any kind of infrastructure and then structural falls into that. So like typically what you would see is somebody would be, would go to school for like civil engineering and then you would have an emphasis in structural. So like you'd get the more general background and then you'd take like a handful of classes that were focused, like specific. So you'd have like concrete design, steel design, timber design, stuff like that. At UCSD, they're one of like the only schools in the nation where like it's specifically structural. Like, you don't even learn the very general stuff, which it's good and bad. It's good in a sense of, like, if you know 100% this is what I'm going to do, like, why waste your time learning other stuff? But the uh-huh. flip side of that is, like, you don't have as much versatility. Like, if you're a civil engineer, you can go and do, I mean, anything within that big kind of umbrella. Uh-huh. But for me, it hasn't really, I mean, so that like the company that I work in is more civil. It's more just like infrastructure and specifically like water resources. But so I still end up learning about some of that stuff on the job, like as far as pipe alignments and doing like site development, grading plans and stuff like that. I've like picked some of that stuff up slowly, but still the majority of my time is just working on like design of structures and stuff like that. Interesting. 
Okay, so you have you. You're gonna have to. It was there was a lot of information. You're gonna have to give me a quick <laughs> summary. So there's the you said general engineering, and then within that structural. So civil would be like the the umbrella. Umbrella, right? Okay, yep. civil engineering is the big umbrella, and then yours is um, on a micro level structural, correct? Right. Yep. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. So. I was going to ask you, so you, you understand how, like, um, what did you learn in school? Like how different structures are built, what materials, the breaking strengths, what? So most what of it, most, like it starts pretty general. So you do, there's a, a series of, I mean, obviously very intro would be just general calculus and then like physics and stuff. So like the main part of physics I actually use is like mechanics, which to me, it's like the easiest part because physics also has like electricity and magnetism, all of these things that don't make a ton of sense to me. So we learn like basic mechanics. Um, and then there's like classes called statics, which is essentially it's just forces like tracing forces and how they interact. And then you end up doing like material science. So learning the properties of steel, of concrete, of masonry, of wood, strengths and weaknesses, stuff like that. But then I guess like the overarching kind of theme for our program ends up being um, like seismic design because we live in California. It's basically so like because I went to I went to UCSD for undergrad and um so I like spent four years, you get into like some seismic design towards the end, but then I ended up applying like to stay there for grad school. So I just like, as soon as I finished the next fall, I started grad school and then my grad school was pretty much exclusively like earthquake engineering. Like I still had a steel design class and a concrete design class, but 80, 90% of it is like earthquake engineering. So understanding like how um like essentially the mechanism by which like an earthquake happens how energy is released how it travels through like the different layers on the earth's surface when it finally reaches the surface how that excitation interacts with like a building or a different structure so you have a, a master's degree yeah Wow, man. Congratulations. I'm proud of you, brother. Thank you. I'm serious, dude. Like seeing my friends from high school who are like like you, just so driven. You were always so driven, but one of like the chillest dudes. Yeah. Good, I mean, good stuff, man. I mean, I appreciate that for sure, but I don't know. Like I, I'm sort of driven, but I think a lot of the things that happened for me, like maybe this is just like a bias or whatever, but it kind of just feels like it all kind of fell into place. Like mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't know. Like I just kind of had this like inertia going. I like started on this path and then it wasn't like, Oh, every day, like, yo, I'm so focused on this one thing. It was always just like, yeah, there's something out there down the line yeah. that I'm building towards. But I don't know. I mean, I was never, I obviously struggled with the same kind of like, like procrastination, laziness oh, for sure. type of stuff. But 
Yeah, for sure. But I always, I always, since like high school, I always remember you telling me like, I'm going to be an engineer. I'm going to be an engineer. And I'm like, fuck yeah, man. And, and seeing you as an engineer, I love it. Like, I just love people who have this idea of what they want to do or just an idea of the field they want to be in and they make a living out of it. It's, it's awesome. So good yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was definitely pretty fortunate at my school. Like they, it's a pretty solid program and there's like good kind of network of like people who graduated there and the professors they know a lot of people in industry so like I don't know I mean I don't keep up with a ton of people that I like went to school with specifically uh -huh. like that were in my major like I still have a bunch of friends who kind of studied other things but I don't think there's a lot of people that go through that and like don't end up with some kind of job somewhere like it's pretty yeah okay so when you're talking so you basically did your master's program on earthquakes and structures of buildings right yeah for the most part and so interactions yeah i mean so like some of it because i don't know so like there might be some things that i kind of assume are like common knowledge that everybody knows but like stop me if that's not the case but i guess one thing like about so i guess in california you have like the uc system and then you have like the cal state system right and uh -huh. so the, like the big difference at least from an engineering perspective that everybody talks about is like cal state cal poly and stuff it's much more practical like they they focus a lot more on like actual design so if you graduated from there like you'll have been familiar with like all the building codes they will have like shown you you'll have had like tests on that kind of stuff you will um be familiar with like all the material design codes there's a good chance that you'll have gone on like field trips out to construction sites you might have more insight into like the construction industry versus like uc they more their whole kind of thought process is they're training like researchers so our stuff was much more like theoretical in a sense, like a lot of like complex physics and stuff like that to where like for what I learned in grad school, I probably don't use like 80% of that stuff. Ah, like, yeah. So yeah, much okay. of it is it's stuff that like it eventually will become popular in industry. But at this point, it's like sort of on the cutting edge. So it's too expensive to like implement. Like, wow, interesting. A lot of the problem is <clears throat> like building code requirements. You can imagine like construction industry, right? It's a business. So at the end of the day, what does the client want? Like, they just want you to design and like get a structure built that will meet all the requirements that they have, really but that's going to be as cheap as possible. Exactly. So they're not going to pay. A company to go in and do some super advanced analysis and fine-tune the structure if they can get one for half the price that like yeah they probably know it won't perform as well but if they'll be able to get the permits and they'll be able to build it and use it they don't really care about that so <clears throat> so then so so theoretically what would happen is if california started to break off of the mainland u.s <laughs> like just slowly started to break off and it was like a slow process and say this is gonna this is gonna happen over the next 200 years 
we need to up our building codes because earthquakes are going to be much more prevalent then potentially the new codes would be implemented and your work would become my uh, yeah what i had like learned in school would become gotcha, more, gotcha. more valuable and it will regardless because eventually what's going to happen is there is going to be like a big earthquake in california at wow. some point like it, it could be tomorrow or it could be in like 200 years right but at a, and and so the way that our like building code works in the u.s and in california it's like life safety right it's the number one priority so i don't think a lot of people it's not like a lot of people are going to die or anything like that but what is going to happen is like a lot of buildings expensive buildings are going to be like condemned or the repairs that they'll have to make will be so expensive that eventually owners are going to catch on and be like wait okay we're not going to design for the bare minimum anymore what i want is like resilience i want something that like because we have the capability at this point to like analyze structures with dynamic inputs and all this that like you can fine-tune a design like to a t it's just it's going to cost you much more money so a lot of this stuff is already implemented like in um, south america like chile peru argentina because they're they're on like a different kind of fault down there so they get much higher magnitude earthquakes wow so like if you if you look at like chile for example all of their hospitals and i think a lot of their schools and stuff they're built on these things called base isolators where it's essentially like uh i guess it's kind of complicated to explain but it's essentially like a bearing you could think of it as like a big rubber bearing under a building so like when an earthquake happens that thing will take all of the like or most of the like deformation and the accelerations that are like generated by that earthquake and then very small amount of that will transfer up into forces like through the building wow so these things they're able to design these things to where there can be like a huge earthquake and there's next to no damage like a lot of the damage that you'll see is like non-structural stuff so like your sprinkler so, um, system your almost like god i'm sorry go ahead no no, no. okay so almost like the building would be up all right upright and the ground is shifting below the building while the building is just staying stable right so the analogy wow. that you could use and this doesn't entirely apply because this stuff happens in like 2 and 3d space but essentially imagine like you took a building and you put it on like a shake table right so this thing's like moving uh -huh. back and forth you'd see it like drifting and deforming and all this stuff but then imagine you put it on top of a skateboard and you just shook it side to side like the whole the whole kind of big picture object would be moving but like the components of the actual structure relative to one another there'd be very little like definition. oh okay 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 i see what you're saying that's what ends up causing a lot of damage in buildings so ah so at some point it's gonna get to that point but it's like it's funny because i have these professors or i had and a lot of them are like big names like a few of them are very big names in like the industry like they've contributed to like one of my professors for steel design 
his name is like in the book for like the seismic steel code that everybody has to use. He's like developed his own methods for designing like different beans and stuff. This guy's like way up there. And so a lot of them are connected in the kind of like code writing sphere. And so they say like, we preach this same stuff over and over and over. And everyone in the industry understands like the potential risk for damage and all that stuff. But the problem is like, it's impossible to convey that to the people who write the checks and the people who write mm -hmm. the policy, if there's no need for it. Um, I mean, it's kind of, I think there's similar types of issues out. I mean, I get the feeling it's a similar thing with like, like how many people are getting car accidents all the time. Right. I think at some point in like 50 or a hundred years, We'll have some system that's so safe that we'll look back on this and be like, whoa, like we were really just allowed to drive like 80 down the freeway. Like <laughs> anybody, bro, like you could be in high yeah. school just cruising yeah. 80 down the freeway. Like that is insane. But yeah, it just, you remember, like, it's normal. You remember, you remember you used to jump the Corolla at the Rose Drive intersect or the Rose Drive. Wait, no, was it All Rose? Dumb. Oh, the palm jump, the palm jump. <laughs> Which was it? The, you had a, the Corolla, right? I had the Accord. Oh, the yeah. red Accord. Oh, the yeah. and the window was broken. <laughs> we don't talk about that, lock. but yeah, dude. No, was they were the both. They were both broken. So like the window, you had to use like, I would like hold the button and then just have to like push <laughs> it up with my hand. Uh -huh. the, the lock. It made like the loudest noise ever. Mm -hmm. Like you would lock it, like, <laughs> but it still wasn't as shitty as uh, Chase's Corolla, dude. That was the worst, bro. His Corolla sucked. And then I had my gold Camry, and Braxton had his green Corolla. Yeah, dude, we had a squad. Just oh my god, man, the best. Hey, so okay, so when it comes to um understanding like structures did you do or do you understand uh i have two things to ask you one i have a con with the fact that you know about beams and all this stuff <laughs> ask you this a little first. nervous where this is going <laughs> and then i'm gonna ask you another question okay so first 9-11 because you know about beams and stuff and and structures yeah are conspiracy conspiracy theorists out of their mind what's the deal i mean okay so this is like a very niche uh okay situation like it's not like i would have learned a ton about thermal properties and stuff of material like uh -huh. i know the general stuff i mean the the biggest things that you have to be aware of in my realm are like expansion and contraction because of thermal conditions. So when it gets cold, something's going to get smaller. When it gets hot, it's going to ex expand. So for instance, like bridges, you got to build certain like um, expansion joints into them to allow for mm -hmm. the movement back and forth. And then the other thing would be um, like uh, there's something else kind of related to concrete, but I don't know, there's no reason to like go into it. But essentially, I think 
I mean, I don't know a ton of the conspiracy theories, but I think the explanation that I've heard is just that it's not like the plane crashing into the building brought it down. It was the fact that it was leaking jet fuel all over, and jet fuel burns at a temperature that's, I don't know what it is, but essentially it's hot enough to compromise, like, over a period of time, compromise, like, the, the properties of the steel. So, okay. I mean, what is the conspiracy theory that 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 there's no way that the heat generated from uh, a jet fuel fire would be hot enough to compromise the steel? That's that's the idea. I don't know enough to say definitively yeah. yes or no, but the thing that I don't understand about that is like. It was a real building, right? And it really yeah. did fall. So is the argument that like they placed explosive charges or something? Like s- something oh, did happen. I see what you're saying. Like the building did fall. So yeah. If it, I, I just I I don't like those kind of theories and stuff where people they just poke holes in something without providing like an alternate explanation because it doesn't like it doesn't lead anywhere, right? Like, you could say, this didn't happen, but, okay, so what did? Like, that's Uh kind of the job of, like, somebody who's, and this is something that I'd like to get into, like, later in my career, is something called forensic engineering. And so it specifically applies to earthquakes in the sense of, like, they did a lot of it. I don't know if you remember hearing about, um, there was an earthquake in 2011 in New Zealand. And, like, New Zealand, they had a lot of these old brick buildings and a lot of them like fell and people died and stuff like that and so at that point certain companies would hire like consultants to come in and like assess the damage and try to like back analyze like okay what happened which portions of this building failed and how did it contribute to like an overall collapse so there are people who specifically study that stuff so I imagine they did a lot of that after 9-11. But as far as I know, that's kind of mm. the common consensus at this point. But Okay. <clears throat> Fair enough. All right. So my next are question. You, wait, hang on. Are you like, uh, do you buy into that? Or why? No. Is that just something that you randomly thought of? Yeah, it's just something I randomly thought of. But I think the fact that a plane crashes into a building and it, at least destroys half, right? So it, it basically it cuts it in half, and it's just one part sitting on top of the other. Not Maybe not cuts it in half, but... I don't know about cuts it in half. It might have damaged like some of the corner columns and stuff like that, and I could be totally wrong about this, but like the, the strength of these components, like the concrete floor slabs, the steel columns, stuff like that, it's much stronger than like the aluminum fuselage of like a, a commercial jet. So the only difference there is like the speed at which it was traveling. But I get the feeling there wouldn't have been like that much damage to the build. Like definitely not to cause that. Dude, of- a plane, a plane, man. A plane's pretty heavy. Going at six hundred miles an hour or five. No, no, definitely not Mach. Not Never that mind. fast. Now, what do they what do they cruise at? Maybe well, three fifty. They cruise at like they cruise at like five hundred. But if I doubt it was going that fast at that time, 
but still, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so the one thing about what I do is like we, other than like earthquake excitation, it's all static stuff, which means like nothing's moving. So I've taken classes on dynamics and impact and stuff like that, but it's like all of that is like way over my head. That's like uh, okay. mechanical people, rocket scientists, stuff like that. So I don't know. Somebody in that kind of industry would probably have a better feel. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I just now Wait, so- that you bring it up, I kind of want to look into it more and just like try to narrow this down. Are you? You said are you planning on going back to school? No. Oh, okay. No. Um, okay, so so um what do you know about bridges and just bridges what do you know about bridges decent amount uh it depends so like i work on a lot of pedestrian bridges uh-huh. which are like much simpler um i mean okay. it's the similar like design processes like big picture it's kind of a similar process to what would be like a highway bridge but there's just so much less that goes into it in terms of like working on highway bridges there's a book it's called so the governing like body in the u.s is called ashto it's american association of something about transportation safety and highway there's a bunch of terms but I mean, that book alone, just for the design of bridges, is like 1,200 pages, something like that, versus like your concrete code and stuff like that's probably 300. And that covers basically design of like majority of concrete structures. So it's something that like bridges are something to where like you can't just go to school for it. If that's what you're into, like you have to spend years of your life working on big time like bridge projects to kind of get like a whole feel so at some point i mean it's something that i was interested before but we just don't do a ton of it at my work right now um but i do work on like i've done a handful of pedestrian bridge designs so it's it's simpler but it's a similar type of process okay so Wait, real quick. I'm sorry, but would you mind not rocking as much? Because, like, yeah. I'm, I'm watching you on the screen. I'm, like, about to throw up, dude. I'm like, <laughs> all of my, my eyes are, like. Yeah, um, I got you. Okay. Um, so if you understand basically, like, the basics or, you know, uh, understand the complexities of bridges. Right. Um, for me, I think, like, okay, for example, we look back on the pyramids, right? And we say the ancient pyramids and we say, damn, how did they do that? That is so crazy. Right. Let's say we all got wiped out and the Golden Gate and there was maybe a few people left from, I don't know, just let's just say humans. Let's say we all wiped out or something. And humans came back or or maybe everybody got wiped out in a few countries and there was only a few countries remaining, whatever. Let's just say in 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 the future, I think they're gonna look. I see it as like we look back on the on the pyramids as like, wow, that's crazy. How did they do it? I look at the Golden Gate Bridge as like future people looking back and being like, holy shit, like that is 
unbelievable. Is, is a project like that insane or it's just on a large scale? I think for the time when it happened, like, because that was in the 40s, I think, is when the okay. Golden Gate Bridge got built. It's pretty crazy, like, the fact that they were able to pull it off. But a lot of things, or something that a lot of people don't talk about is, like, a lot of people used to die building yeah. those things. Like, a ton of people would have <laughs> a died lot building of people. Golden Gate yeah. Bridge. So, like, it's not like it was just some easy feat that, like, uh, uh, like a bunch of stuff would have gone wrong building that thing but 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 the fact that he even with all of that the fact that it even exists is insane right i mean maybe to somebody like way back then but it's like at this point our kind of knowledge and understanding of like the way that different forces travel through different materials like it's pretty advanced so I don't know. I mean, so okay, so so like, uh, so like you're saying, like in today's world, if they wanted to build a bridge like that, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's gonna be a huge project, and it's not gonna be seamless. Like, for instance, they rebuilt the Bay Bridge, like the Oakland Bay Bridge. That um, one's bigger, right? I don't know. You mean like longer span, or I'm not sure. Probably, I think you're probably right. But uh, so, for instance, like when I was in grad school, we used to have these seminars like once a week. And one of the it would just be people from industry. They would come in and talk about like what their career has been like. And one of these guys, he was like a principal engineer for T.Y. Lin is one of the like biggest consulting companies in the world. And this dude, he was like the the primary design engineer on uh, that Oakland Bay Bridge. And he mm-hmm. worked on that for 16 years of his life, like exclusively. Jeez. So, like, to put that in perspective, I've probably worked on, like, 30 or 40 projects at my work over the course of, like, not even three years. Uh-huh. And this guy worked on one for, like, 16 years. So, it's not like because our, like, technologies and our understanding has advanced, like, it wouldn't be easy but I guess a way that I could reframe that is like there will probably come a time in the next like say 20 or 30 years where something like that could be done entirely by AI, like a, a computer. And wow. not, only, not only like the design aspect, but there's going to come a point where like the construction aspect could be done almost exclusively by machines. Like wow. drones flying things in and different types of like just robotic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's wow. going to get cool. You know, what's interesting is like, that's something that I would be, how, how loud are my dogs in the back? They're pretty loud, huh? I mean, I can hear them, but it's not like overwhelming. Hold on a second. I'm going to mute my mic real quick. Hold up. Okay. No sweat. I'm just going to cut this little part out. Hold on. No oh, worries. Why? Nah, it's because there was a big... Uh, bird? Yeah, there was a big bird in the tree. Are they going to eat um. that thing? <laughs> Chai, why? Because I'm Chinese or what, guy? No, not you. <laughs> the dogs, bro. Oh. But I mean, my shit. I don't know. Yeah, they're trying. <clears throat> hey, wait. What were we just mentioning? 
We were talking about like you were talking about the Golden Gate Bridge, and I was no, saying, no, no, just before. I mean, I was saying how like oh AI that, AI yeah, stuff. Being built. Exactly. That's so fascinating. You know what's interesting is like you know there there are going to be like me. I'm excited for that, right? And you obviously are excited because it's advancements in your field. Yes and no, but yeah, go ahead. Why aren't you? I mean, part of the reason why I wouldn't be excited is because at a certain point, that's going to make my role obsolete. Okay, but this is that's exactly the point I was about to tell you is <laughs> there are people who believe like that it's going to uh, uh, make their job obsolete and they're not going to have a job. But if you're in that field and you're always um, keeping up with, with what's new, then all it does is give you an opportunity to get rich. If you see it like that, because you're already in that field, think about it. If there's a huge expansion in any field, right? those, those who are in the field doing it, it, the shift to learn how to do it is going to be way easier than somebody who is never Outside in the field and says, hey, I want to get into it because it's a new field. Let me get rich. You're already there. So it just gives you an op- – instead of like seeing it as like, oh, my job is going to be co- obsolete, it's like – I'm going to have a new opportunity to be part of the explosion of this new technology. Think about it. If they have AI robots and they need help with people to build those robots or work with the on the physical side, you may know a thing or two, and it's easier for you to get in. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm not as concerned about me. I think it's yeah, more okay. a general thing. Like, I think uh-huh. that people – coming into because also by the time that stuff happens i'll have enough experience ideally where i'll be like near the kind of upper echelon of like some kind Uh of company doing this kind of stuff but people like coming out of school like there might not be a need for like if if there can just be a transfer of like the easiest tasks to computerized then like you might not need people fresh out of school because, like, that's the stuff that they do is like the simple stuff. So it might halt the whole like. Yeah, but don't you think? Don't you think that that even in school, right? If the if the like, there's always a a changing in technology and our knowledge of certain things, and once that changes, also what people are learning changes. So there will be. Um, less of a demand or maybe a yeah I would say maybe less of a demand of people who are in your field and more of uh, the people who joined your field but then jumped into the specifics of that the robotics side right yeah and so it's like the jobs would become less but then also the people trying to get into those jobs will become less does that make sense yeah the, it's like thought of as like the demand stays the same on the people coming out of school, but less jobs. Maybe the demand out of school is gonna is gonna lower as well, right? And more people will go. Yeah. Let's say people from from that side will move into the robotics side. I don't know. I I just maybe maybe what you're saying um, is possible. Obviously, you have a better idea because that's what you're in. But I just the any people who say like we're scared of robots or AI. I'm just like, technology has never, ever, technology throughout history has never, um, when it comes to a a total, has never taken away more jobs than it created. Right, yeah. I mean, I think there's always going to be 
people are always going to pivot and shift, right? So yeah. it's kind of like like there are things now that I don't have to learn as much about because there's software to do it and I have to know what's behind it. But like the thought process there is like, we're not going to teach you how to all of the ins and outs to be able to like rewrite one of these programs. We're just going to teach you how to use it. And then you can focus more of your time on something else where there isn't like as developed a a process. So Uh people will always be able to pivot to like some new sector. I mean, I think specifically in the field that I work in, what's going to be cool moving forward. And I think what already is like such a fascinating field that I'd like to study more about is like just material science. So it's like people in laboratories working with like just different materials now, like obviously, so like, you know, about like composites, carbon fiber, that type of Mm -hmm. stuff. It's Uh obviously huge in like the aeronautical industry and stuff like that, but it's never been important in like my industry because we we don't care as much about how much stuff weighs. It doesn't have to fly. So if it's really heavy, like you just figure out how to design around that. But eventually it's going to, I mean, especially like in high seismic regions and stuff, because the way that seismic forces are generated is through mass, right? Like if you don't weigh anything, it's not going to be a lot of force when you're exposed to some like acceleration essentially. But so they're already starting to develop like construction methods with like using carbon fiber members. And there's also been a big push recently to like new types of engineering wood. So like uh-huh. in the past where you may have only built wood buildings up to like five, six stories, because after that it becomes like much more complicated. Now they're starting to use different things like cross laminated timber and all of these like advanced um, like engineered wood to where you could build like almost high rise buildings, like maybe not right out now. of out of wood. Yeah, I mean, maybe not right now, but at a certain point, because it's not going to be, this isn't wood that's in your backyard. Like, this isn't go cut down this tree and we're going to build the Empire State Building. This is, like, stuff that they take, that they, like, do you know how carbon fiber is made, where it's just different layers? They're, like, cross-laminated, and they lay them at specific angles, and it gives them specific properties. That's what this is going to be. It's going to be wood where the grains, like you will have engineered, you're like, okay, I'm designing this beam or column. I want the top ply to be oriented this way. And the next ply will be a different material because the stresses it's going to see are different than something in the center of the section or Uh whatever. It's stuff like that. It's not like a two by four from Home Depot. (laughs) They just got a guy up there freaking in the clouds. But, so that's like the stuff that I'm pretty interested in that I think is going to be like the future is these new because like at a certain point like we can only build stuff so high with like the materials that we have right now but at a certain point you're going to start to see these like futuristic cities where buildings are like three times taller than what we see now and like wow, you think there's so? a yeah, for sure. And it's going to be sooner than you think. I mean, look at like population density, right? Like it's it's increasing like exponentially and there's got to be a place for these people to live, right? Like Don't you think what what do you think is going to happen faster? Like buildings three What's the tallest building we have now? 
the tallest building right now. I'm not 100% sure. I think it's this one that's in like the UAE, like the Arab Emirates. Let's Google it. Hold on. One I'm thinking of is the Burj Khalifa. Okay, tallest building in the world. I think they built one in like China. China. Oh no, I guess. Oh shoot. Oh, it is. 2,700 feet. So it's over half a mile tall. That's it? Yeah. 2,700, bro? That's weak. (laughs) I was thinking we were going to have things like a mile high. (laughs) Not yet, dude. But that's what I'm saying. Like, Wow. It's going to get to that point. You know what's fascinating is like, There's an like worldwide. There's these advancements that we have, but they happen at somewhat of a slow rate. Like maybe it seems like it's happening very fast, but imagine if like three times the size of people, or three times the population of people in your field. Let's say there was three times that mm-hmm. you would have way faster advancements, right? Like. Computers advanced super fast because it was new technology and it exploded. So it's it's just, it's to me, it's like fascinating that like humans are capable of so much if we just had like everybody working towards it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, obviously, like innovation is happening quicker than ever. But I think part of where the delay comes in is like things have to be tested, right? So, like, a lot of the reason why. UCSD is like sort of world renowned for like earthquake engineering is because they have this shake table that's like you can build like full size buildings on it. So like some of my professors have done these like experiments where they, they'll build like a five or six story building and it might not be a whole one, but there'll be like certain components and they can test that entire thing, like subject it to a certain like ground acceleration record and measure like put strain gauges and all these different things and they can measure stresses and different members and deformations and all that stuff and so because part of it is like you have to be able to validate whatever you like the theory behind it you have to be able to show that like something's actually going to behave that way so like yeah the, the whole physics advancements might be increasing at this rate but like the, the practicality aspect still has ah, to be I see, like I see, the I back see. end. Dude, for some reason, I like... Can you still see my video? Yeah. Oh, it like... The video part froze for me, but... Maybe, um... Hold on. Close, maybe, um... Like, minimize your Skype window. Okay. And then it should go to a little screen and then maybe maximize it again. Maybe it'll it'll reset. Or did the little screen stay frozen? No, the little screen works. I'll just keep that up. No, no, no. Now just double click on the little screen and then it'll open it back up. To so full when, I, when I did it, it froze again, but... Let's see. Huh, yeah, it's weird. We're no, good. Now, but I can still see you. 
Okay. Um, <clears throat> so, um, in in the in like the fact that you studied earthquakes um, almost as like your that was your focus. Mm. Um, is that because, like, like what would people have the option of uh, their focus? Let's say in. Texas, for example, because like they wouldn't study earthquakes, right? Or, or it depends. So, like, you'll be exposed to like the very basic principles and stuff like that, but you won't. It won't even be close to the level of depth that like we studied. At so, are th- what other like uh, natural, natural, uh, like the obstacles? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. So, what What do people study? What else is out there? Like, you are I earthquakes mean, and buildings. What else? A lot of it would be like wind, right? So, if you live in like ah. a place, so part of Texas, I'm sure, like if you're close to the Gulf, you guys get some heart. I mean, obviously there was like the whole Houston yeah. mm-hmm. hurricane and stuff like that. It's probably not as prominent, but like if you work in like Florida or any of those like places on the Gulf, like a lot of it is wind design. So like in Florida, I just found this out the other day cause I'm working on a project in Florida, but, um, what? Whoa. But they, there's no seismic design requirements at all. Like it's mm-hmm. not even mentioned in their like building code. And the reason for that is that like the design wind forces are so much higher that they can definitively say that like based on the small amount of like accelerations ex- associated with any sort of like um, very infrequent earthquake that might happen in Florida, it still wouldn't even compare with like the hurricane type. Uh, LC on like a yearly basis or something like that. But there are other things. I mean, so like I was actually, I got a, there's a, an intern that I'm working with and he's out of an office in Michigan and he's in grad school right now. And I need to ask him about that because I had asked him before and I just didn't get like that thorough of an answer. But that was pretty much my question is like, it's pretty weird that I spent 80 to 90% of my like academic life, at least like the higher level stuff, learning about this thing that like you probably barely touch. Like you might have very cursory knowledge of it. And so when I asked him like, so what is the rest of your time? I think it's just more time spent on like design classes. So they just might, get exposed to more um like designs of different types of buildings like for me it was like in concrete we'll have designed like in my concrete classes i designed like a a pedestrian bridge and then like a um there was like one 10 story uh sheer wall like building where we didn't like do all the design but we kind of got intros into each aspect and so like that would have been two kind of real life structures. And then in steel, I would have done two or three, like one that would be like a moment frame building, one that would be a braced frame building. And then that's basically it. So maybe for them, they just do two or three times that number. So they get exposed to like a lot of different structural systems. And there's probably more of a focus on, I mean, there's other issues like, 
having to do with snow and ice and thermal expansion, freezing and thawing of concrete and stuff like that. But I don't think it, it takes the same amount of depth of like study time and that sort of thing to understand as like seismic design. Does. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so so when it comes to like building codes, there's a lot of new houses being built out here. You know, like um, it's crazy. Where north of San Antonio and like the areas north of San Antonio are like some of the fastest growing places or whatever. Right. Um, when it comes to their building codes, how does that compare to like? what is needed or the building codes for houses in California because of the potential for earthquakes? Are they built differently? Somewhat. Yeah. I mean, but it's so like when you're talking residential, you're talking almost exclusively like timber, right? Uh Something that's kind of interesting about timber is like uh, a lot of the design it's based on like experimental data so it's a lot of like like essentially any house any standard house the lateral system will be like wood shear walls right so Mm -hmm. for instance it'll be like your wall will consist of two by four studs space and then sheetrock yeah either drywall or sometimes it'll be plywood if they need like it depends Uh what the level of lateral forces you expect to see but so a lot of that stuff, like on the where the calculation will come in is like generating the forces. So like it'll be figuring out what type of wind load you have, what type of like snow you might see or whatever, and then load path. So figuring out how that gets distributed to the different components within the house. But then from there, what you won't see that you would see in like steel and concrete and steel and concrete, you'll end up doing calculations on like the capacity side so you'll say okay i have a beam that's this deep with the flanges are this thick and all this different stuff what's the the flexural capacity how much bending can that beam take and wood a lot of times you won't end up having to do that you could just look up in a table you'll say my wall is going to see x amount of pounds of force so how close do i need to space my wood studs what does the nailing pattern need to be and you can pull all that directly from like a a book and then another thing so that the the building codes vary from state to state but like in the u.s as far as i know all of them are based on something called the ibc which is the international building code and then what will happen is the states will adopt it and they'll write like additional um guidelines so that'll be like this kind of narrow skeleton and then the states can add on to it and make stricter requirements based on whatever phenomena they see in that state but i know so at least for california anything that's less than two like two stories or less and is for like single or i forget if the number is like two or four family dwellings like you don't even they don't need to be signed and sealed by an engineer like an engineer doesn't have to be involved so if you're a contractor you can Mm -hmm. essentially if it's like a one or two story residence, you can do all of the like design yourself. You don't have to pay. Uh, okay. And so a lot of times they just have standard practices that they use. It's like, okay, if a wall is this tall, 
the the roof height is x and the footprint dimensions are like this then we're going to go with this type of wall this type of nailing these type of hold downs all this different stuff so a lot of it becomes especially on the residential end becomes a lot more cookie cutter and part of that is it just makes it easier on the construction side like you can have guys who they don't need to follow like when we put together construction documents there are certain things where it's like you need to have read this stuff thoroughly because there might be like wow. some there might be some note somewhere on some page that like relates back to something else and like you need to anything that's written on those drawings needs to be implemented right and so uh -uh. If it doesn't and we go out there and we go to like do an observation or something it's going to be like hey you got to fix this this and this and so you get into some things that are like more customized design but where you get into trouble is the people who are out there like the construction guys they might screw something up and it might be like oh this type of beam or this type of rebar was needed in this place but we used the wrong size because we had a bunch of number sixes sitting over here you called for number eights over here but like we just got in the mood like in the process we were going and then all of a sudden you screwed up a bunch of stuff if they can standardize it then it makes it easy there's not as much thinking it's like hey i've built this kind of wall a hundred times i know what i'm doing i don't need to like read yeah. anything it's pretty simple stuff so um okay so um oh shoot hold on <laughs> just lost my train of thought oh okay so in California, right? Let's say you're you're building a house in uh, the mountains versus in the desert. Are the building codes going to be different? Uh, Is it that specific? It can be. So, like, it, like if you're talking, so most like um, municipalities, they just rely on like the California building code, right? So, like, Placentia or Irvine. Like, if I'm building a building there, there will be like a if it's a bigger city, they'll have their own like building department and they might have some small like alterations. But for the most part, the only place you'll see that is like LA. Like LA, they have uh, a specifically Los Angeles building code that has like stricter requirements than both the international and the California building code. So like if you're talking about something that's in Big Bear versus like in downtown LA, yes, there would be differences. But if you're talking about like Anaheim, versus like what happens in Big Bear, what happens up north, it it might be the exact same kind of um, regulation and stuff. I think San Francisco might be similar, but I haven't done any work with like projects actually in the city. Gotcha. Hey, um, I got to run and grab my charger real quick. Okay. So I'm going to run and grab it. I'm going to leave this on. Do you mind? Yeah, no, that's fine. Okay. And then what I'll do is on the recording, I'll just cut it and then on the podcast and then we'll just start back up but let me run and grab my charger real quick no worries i'll be right back i'm gonna, I'm gonna take a piss i'll be right back okay yo Dude, so you just use uh like to skype do the recording or do you have like a program no it's recording skype will record the conversation and then it just so it creates like an MP4 file or no, so it's all audio then. 
No, it, it's an MP4 file, but then I and then I put it into an audio software and then uh, put my little intro in there. Did you listen? Have you listened to them at all? I mean, I listened to the Magna one yesterday, but I don't. For some reason, I don't remember the intro. The intro of uh, "That's Life," "That's Life," that's what all the people say. No. Oh. Huh. I don't know. I don't know if. Fuck. I just, Wait. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't put it on Magnus. I mean, maybe you did. The thing is, like, I listen to these when I'm working. So, like, there are instances where, like, five, ten minutes might go by where, like, I don't retain a single thing that, like, might have happened. Hold on. Hold on. Holy shit, dude. I think my dog's fighting a raccoon. Oh, <laughs> shit. I'll be right back, dude. Zeke, come here. Zeke, come here. That happened out in Texas, huh? Hold on, hold on. All right, what's up? Crazy shit that happens out in Texas, huh? Dude, how's it going, y'all? We're back. <laughs> we got cut off. Rambi was fighting a... Fighting a raccoon. Did you go on Instagram? I mean, not really. Dude, if you look on Instagram, I took a video this morning of the raccoon in my backyard because I saw it. Before that whole thing went down? Yes. And then it and then it left, and we have part of the backyard that's, like, fenced off. And then we have the fenced off part, and then after the fenced off part, it's a bigger part. And so the raccoon left out of the small fence part, and then Rambis got him. And so while we were while we were skyping, that's when I heard them fighting, man. Dude, that ain't the that only thing. Gnarly. Dude. Where was where was Zeke at? Zeke was stuck in the small part of the backyard because he didn't escape. She, uh, dude, she always finds a way out. Damn. But um, that's not the only thing she's gotten. She's gotten that. She's gotten an armadillo before. Uh, I think one time she got a baby armadillo. Bro, yeah, I've never even seen an armadillo, dude. Yeah, what happened dude. with that thing? One night it was like uh, 3 a.m. and I heard some big time ruckus going on outside. And I hear her, I hear her like going nuts, dude, just barking and going crazy. And then. Um, your connection right now is I, I it's real uh, super super. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I don't get good Wi-Fi up in here. I'm a cruise dance. All right, go ahead. And so, um, I heard some big time ruckus going on. So I go downstairs and I hear, you know, where I showed you where the well was. Yeah. She was over there over there near the well attacking a an armadillo and the armadillo was like flipping in the air and then i just what? hear yeah dude i don't know how it was happening but it was like it was like flipping in the air like three or four feet in the air i don't know dude i i wouldn't be able to explain it it was like jumping up flipping in the air trying to escape and then i just hear her chomping down on the shell like i can hear like crushing the shell of it bro and what was like the final outcome of that yeah bro she crunched on the shell and then it was just laying there twitching and i grabbed her and had to pull her back there was blood all over her 
Dude, oh, I thought was, their shells were supposed to be like legit. Their the shells are dog. strong, but bro, that look—the look on her eyes when I was looking at her attacking it was like there was no way that thing was escaping, dude. Dang, that is wild, bro. Armadillo <laughs> picked the wrong yard to fuck with. <laughs> <laughs> Not cool, man. So what's you so bet. how's how's uh how's all this COVID nineteen affecting work? What's the deal with you, man? Um, I mean it hasn't been. I mean obviously like I'm working from home. I've been working from home since March seventeenth. So I guess this will be like the like fourth fifth week. So uh-huh. it's been like kind of different, but honestly like not that much different uh-huh um because like i do so the company i work at is like pretty like we're all over the u.s all over the world but um so i work a lot with like a group that is out in michigan and then uh-huh. also uh like the the group that i specifically work in our vp and like the most of the people are in san luis obispo so, like, uh-huh. a lot of the stuff is done sort of remotely anyway. Like, we use Skype a lot to, like, share our screen and present stuff and all that kind of thing. I think, like, the only real major difference for me in terms of, like, workflow has just been, like, being able to print things out and scan things. So, uh-huh. I like to do a lot of stuff, like, writing by hand, like, marking things up and reviewing shop drawings and stuff like that i like to do stuff by hand rather than like over pdf so that's been like an adjustment but i see it as like a like a like a positive thing because it's like i should be doing that anyway i just am used to doing it one way so yeah i kind of get stuck in that procedure but other than that like it's been chill i mean it's weird the one thing that that's been strange not like workflow wise but I usually, so I try to get in like a little bit after six normally, like between like six, 6.30. That way I can be out of there by like 3.30. But now, so like typically I'd be like waking up at five or whatever. Now it's like I'm waking up at like 6.30 or like seven. So it's like yeah. I get online an hour later, even though all I got to do is like get out of bed and cruise to the like just the office or whatever. Yeah, yeah. it's like. It's kind of strange, but it's been cool. I mean, I don't know. When, I, when are you going to come out and visit, man? Dude, I'm going to have to at some point. Dude, and, you can come hunt with us. We got a property to hunt on. You've been hunting? Yeah. I, oh, yeah. I remember you tried that deer that I got. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, since since no. you went back, since I saw you? No. I haven't hunted that isn't there there's not like seasons there right because everything's private property no there is uh seasons for deer um uh but hogs is is year round do you have hogs on your property yeah yeah but you guys just haven't been no i haven't hunted them wait did your dad hunt or no no so you just you go like by yourself uh-huh. Oh, damn. Nobody, yeah, it's pretty funny. Nobody else. Like, you didn't, like, how did you learn? 
Oh, actually, okay. I shot my first deer with my friend Alejandro. Okay. Um, but I've gone by myself before. Just go out to the property, and then I just park my car and hike like maybe 150, 200 yards to the to the blind. Um, and then I just hang out or hang out in the bushes wherever I could see the feeder and and just wait for a shot. But the first one I got, um, I was there with my friend Alejandro. And we were actually, we weren't even going to hunt. We actually had just gone to go fill the feeders up. And then um, when we got there to fill the feeders up, we parked like maybe 50, 60 yards away from one of the feeders. And we saw the deer just standing, hanging out by the feeder. And so I shot it. So you just had your, what do you have, a rifle? Yeah, he had his rifle. And you just had it with you, even though you weren't planning to. Nuh-uh. But it was it was during season at the time, so like I had I had hunted a few times uh, that week earlier and never saw anything. And then, luckily, when we went to go fill the feeder, I was able to shoot it. But I got a lot of meat from it, so it was cool, you know, just to have my own meat that was like super lean, um, obviously high in protein, and just like the fact that I harvested it myself was cool, you know. Yeah. Damn. But uh. So what's yeah, uh, what are the feeders? So we got a, a spin feeder, and it's like basically like a big barrel, and then uh, it's got a little spout at the bottom, and the corn falls out from the bottom, and then it's got a little disc, and the disc spins, and so when the when the corn hits the disc, the the corn flies out. Oh, uh, does that make sense? Sort of, but how do how does the animal like engage with it? So it um okay I'm sorry it's like a battery operated so every or it'll be like it's set for like six a.m. and then six p.m. so there's already corn falling onto the disc and when the disc isn't moving the corn just sits there there's a little space between the the spout at the bottom of the the barrel and then the 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 spinning disc and so it'll like make a pile right there and then right when it goes off at let's say six a.m. that disc spins and the corn flies out. Yeah, and just goes to the ground, and then it stops, and then they'll they'll hear like the ding 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 from the corn, um, and then it'll go off again at like six p.m. or whatever. Oh, interesting. Okay. So it it basically just attracts the deer to the feeder, in which when I'm hunting, I'm just looking at the area of the feeder essentially. So is there not is there not like a stigma against that? Um, I mean, I guess there is, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, but that's, I guess that's how it's not as, as hardcore. I mean, maybe people look down on it, but I, it's not as hard. It's a, it's the, the, the common way of hunting out here. Really? Oh yeah. It's, I think it's the common way of hunting in general, the uncommon way, which obviously is more commendable. Um, and deserves more respect is like where you backpack into like the, into let's say public lands or, you know, you bow hunt. Um, I have a bow, so eventually I want to learn to bow hunt. You have targets and stuff? You shoot? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't shoot very often, but I have before. Why don't you? I don't know, just not practicing. I need to. Just my own, my own, uh, time management, I guess. Yeah, it seems like a cool skill to learn. It seems super difficult. What, hunting, bow hunting? Yeah, 
I mean, just shooting, like even just like target shooting. I don't know. Maybe that's pretty easy after a little bit, but. You ever shot a bow? Like once. My uncle had one. They lived out in the mountains in Pennsylvania. So he would hunt like, um, for some reason, I want to say he would hunt like elk, but I'm not 100% sure about that. But he would definitely hunt, and he would do similar stuff where he would make his own, or not. I guess he wouldn't necessarily make it, but he would like hunt and then kill like a deer or something, and then he would like bring it to the butcher to have him make like a bunch yeah. of different stuff. Is that what you do too? Like those sausages? I actually did it all myself, but really, yeah. But you can take it to a, a butcher um, and a processor. They'll process it. They'll they'll give you the ground beef or make hamburger patties for you or whatever. It's pretty cool, but you still have a bunch of that meat, like because you must have like a big freezer, right, or something like that. Yeah, we got a big freezer, but I finished all of it already. Oh damn! Yeah, so I gotta wait. Say that again. How much was it? Uh. Overall, I probably had I had some deer that somebody from the gym gave me because they had an extra one. So total that past season, I probably had like maybe sixty pounds of deer. Wow. Maybe fifty, maybe fifty. So that take you like a few months to get through. Yeah, yeah. Maybe like I was eating like maybe five pounds a week. Oh. So basically maybe. that was kind of all your like meat. You weren't mm-hmm. really buying anything from anywhere. Nope. nope. For breakfast, it would be like some venison. It's ven- venison is deer. So basically some ground venison and eggs. And then lunch, I would have like venison and broccoli or venison and onion and mushroom. And then maybe dinner would be not deer. It would be something else, whatever my dad cooked or but it's fun it's fun i i like um i liked the the process you know just of what cleaning it and doing all yeah just just finally providing meat for myself because when you go to the market you don't understand what it takes or or the feelings associated with taking an animal's life and having the luxury of eating meat in the first place i think lugs i think meat is more of like a a luxury um and so we should put in the effort to know what it takes like to have meat do you know what i mean meat's not something that we should take for granted because an animal has to die and so if you eat meat you should understand the process and understand that you're essentially taking an animal's life and and being able to just be a part of the process and understanding and actually getting a feeling of like thanking the deer. I know it sounds weird, but thanking the deer for the opportunity to have nutrition. And you know what I mean? Yeah. No. And I mean, I understand. I've heard people make similar points before and it makes sense. Like I can't exactly relate because I've never been involved in that type of like that whole process. But one yeah. question I do have when people say that sort of thing is like, obviously you went, whatever it was, like 25 years of your life having not been exposed to that type of thing. So like, yeah. after having been through it, 
what is your thought? Like when you say that, do you mean like should people be exposed to that like at an early age, like when you're like a teenager, when you're like a little kid, or is that something that like once you are like fully grown, like where do you kind of stand? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Um, I think we as a society, um are definitely over consumers of meat um and we don't understand or have the opportunity to understand and appreciate the fact that we're able to eat meat and we definitely take it for granted like in order for you to have meat on your plate an animal has to die and so when we're going to the store and just buying meat then we're not associated with that process and so i think if People, I don't know, I, I don't know when, but I think it maybe in your teens would be a good time to like, if you're a meat eater, go on a hunt or go at to like a processing place, go to a place where they kill animals so that you can see how that food gets to your table and, and you have a more appreciation of like not wasting it either. You know what I mean? Or, or, or like, I don't know if it should be a requirement because obviously, you know, nobody should be required to do anything, but I think it's important. Like if I have kids, I'm going to show them what it means to take an animal's life. So they understand that when they're having meat, if they want to have it, they need to understand where it came from. They need to understand that an animal's life was taken and, um, to, not take it for granted that they have the opportunity to eat like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I mean, it sounds like a pretty solid rationale, I guess. The only thing that I wonder about in terms of like a barrier to that is, do you think that it's easier to have that mentality because you live in a place where that's accessible? Like if you still lived in Anaheim, How would you reconcile that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You're right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how to go about that issue. Hold on. Braxton's calling me real quick. (laughs) No worries. What's up, Brake? What's up? Hey, I'm 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 finishing up this podcast with my uncle Brett, so I gotta call you back. Yikes. (laughs) Why? Why you called me then? I called you way earlier, but Yeah, and then I started the podcast. You didn't pick. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll call right. you in a little bit. All right, later. How rude yeah, I don't of him, bro. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question, man. I, I don't know if there's that, that opportunity, but I, I don't know what to say. I I think that's that's something that I guess I would have to think about more. But um, but the fact that I lived here and got the opportunity and I took it, I'm grateful that I understand. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. You, you think you can hunt and shoot an animal? I'm sure I could, like, if I was around people like that and, like, took the time to be exposed to that culture, I think so. But I don't think it's something that would be easy, like, to just, yeah. mm-hmm. to just like, kind of drop myself in that situation. And then I think it's something that, like, would wait like I would think about it a lot I mean I I don't have anything I'm not one of those people who's like oh if you're like 
hunter that's like a disgusting sport like you have no mm. respect for this and that i definitely think that there's it's much more valuable to be involved in the process instead of just going to the store and picking up like a, a steak or whatever it is yeah but i, I mean i don't know because just even hearing you like tell that story about the raccoon like i don't think i could just do that i don't think there's any uh -huh. way like, i'm gonna be complete go ahead go ahead no that's it like i just i think that i would be like i would find some other way around yeah or to like some excuse to like talk myself out of it dude I, i'll tell you man I, my legs were shaking when i had to kill that raccoon like it, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't like anything normal. Like my legs were shaking, my heart was pumping, but it was something that I had to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was. It had its goddamn jaw locked on on my dog's jaw, dude. Those raccoons don't play around, dude. Bro, yeah, that raccoon was face to face with my dog. No fear, man. But one thing that's weird about that is like so. Wouldn't you think that that would happen more often? What do you like, mean? Like if if a raccoon just attacked your dog, that means they're around. And that means they're not like, at least some of them aren't scared of like, they are kind of willing. They're not intimidated to like, try to square up or whatever. So wouldn't that be something that happens more? Like, has your dog been attacked by those kind of things before? No. Nah. Huh. So why they do you usually, think? The, you, okay, I I know for sure that my dog attacked the raccoon. Like <laughs> it wasn't the other way around. You know what I mean? Okay. The raccoon was more than likely just trying to chill, mind its own business, and my dog decided to instigate a fight. But the raccoon wasn't afraid. You know what I mean? It didn't just run. Yeah, it straight up chomped on her mouth, chomped on her jaw. Oh man, that was gnarly. Hey. But on another note, you ever had a pair of these, dude? No, dude. I heard you bro. talking to Magna about that, and I was cringing, bro. <laughs> I was like, no way. I can't be involved in the Croc situation. I do remember, though, I'm pretty sure um, Derek had a pair. When we were out camping, I'm pretty sure he was wearing those. And I was just like, I don't know. I didn't know what to think. These things are so, what are you, you take, you taking off or what? No, I'm cruising outside. Okay. Dude, I'm telling you, man, these things are the sweetest damn shoes of all time. I swear <laughs> to you, man. I'm not kidding. The what third respect? Bro, okay. Look at these holes. You see the holes on the top of this? And on the side? Yeah. Okay. So for starters, you get solid airflow when you're walking, okay? Okay. So you don't Two, sweat? So you don't sweat. Two, the material on the inside is almost like a, like a foamy, so your feet are like just molding to the shoe, so like it's like a, a little cloud that you're stepping on. Is it thick? Yeah, it's pretty thick, so I don't feel rocks or anything. Three, um, these are the off-road sport editions, so they got the back straps <laughs> that are adjustable. And 
If you look at the tread, this tread is way thicker than the normal tread. It looks like snow tires, dude. Yes. <laughs> snow tires. Yeah, so if, if you're exactly so if you were to say like the normal crocs are street tires, these are like the mud tire version. That is insane. What prompted Bro. you to get those? Okay, so so the um after my ruck, after my 50-mile ruck, I had, you know, real bad foot pain. And I, I have a pair of, um, okay, I, I have a pair of, like, normal moccasins, right, that I wear around the house. And then I have a pair of the, uh, you know, the strap sandals? They're called, uh, like, Chacos. You've heard of those? No. Let me show you. Let me like, show you a picture. Hold up. Not like. Oh, I think I know. You're talking about like those Jesus-looking ones yes. that people wear. Yeah. I think I know what you're talking about. And they have the straps like all over them, like a crisscross straps. I'm pretty sure I know what you're talking about. They're like, it's like woven cloth or or like some kind of fabric or something, right? Let me show. Let me show you the ones I have, okay? Or oh, they're very similar to this one here. Click on this link, uh, and uh, hold on. They're very simple. Hold on. I'm going to send you a link real quick. They're very similar to this one. If people know what I'm talking about, these ones are so ugly, but I had them for when I went to the Grand Canyon. You see on the chat real quick? Yep. Okay. I, had a pa- I have a pair of those, and I use those like for when I'm hiking through like if I'm hiking through the desert or like when I was in the Grand Canyon hiking through water and stuff. Why um, though? Is it be, is it the a moisture thing? Like it's exposed to air, so they dry quicker. Like why would you not just wear boots? Because if I'm walking through the river, so like when I went to the Grand Canyon, we were like uh, swimming in the river and stuff, and I don't want to step on rocks, you know. So if I'm in the river, I want to uh, have some sort of footwear on. But couldn't you, like, hike with, like, boots and then keep those in your bag and just throw yeah. them on? Yeah, I could. But we did, like, a, a bunch of river crossings. So it would be – it wouldn't make sense to, like, have boots, take the boots off, put something else on, and then put the boots back on. These I'm just able to walk in. You know what I mean? So um, what's the deal with these, uh, like, these river crossings? Is it, like, serious flow or is it th- – like they're no, barely... like okay. Do you know what Havasupai is? It's the place in the Grand Canyon. I've seen the pictures, but I've never been. <laughs> yeah, so I've been there a couple times, and we like when we're there. There's a lot of different places to hike to where you can access the river. And so um, when I went the first time, like four years back, Shelby had just told me like, "Hey, get a pair of these water shoes, just because it's easier than taking your shoes off." every so often so i just got them and they worked well um so wear them in the water go swim and then get out and then hike to a new spot and then go swim and not ever having to worry about my feet you know okay yeah i could see that listen if you need a pair bro i'm telling you the croc off-road sports i'm trying to tell everybody about them dude so you like those more than these chakas or whatever Oh, absolutely. Get, dude, I'm telling you right now, these are game changers. One day, it would be so sweet to be on the podcast and be like, brought to you by Crocs Off-Road Sport Editions. <laughs> You're just trying to get hooked up with free gear, dude. 
<laughs> You're a savage. That's the long term right there. That's funny, man. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Crocs are one of those things. You ever Does this ever happen to you where, like, uh, and I feel bad. Like, this is something I should work on. But one of those things where, like, you rip on it so much historically that like you can't go back on that now like the amount of times that i've talked (laughs) shit on people wearing crocs if one of my homies saw me in those they'd i'd lose all (laughs) credibility dude that'd be the end i would never hear the end of that dude so Uh it's almost like a i don't know like i'd have to do some meditation to kind of like get (laughs) over that mental block yeah, I used to talk so much crap on them, too, until I got a pair. But isn't that an issue for you? Like, has anybody told you, like, yo, dude, I was thinking about getting a pair, and you hammered me about it, like, relentlessly, and now you're cruising around advertising on your freaking podcast? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, it hasn't really happened, but they're, but they're definitely way more common out here than they are in California. Um. Uh. So if I if I got them in California and I wore them, dude, I would get ripped on hard. <laughs> I mean, I'm already getting ripped on, dude, even from people in California. I've been trying to advertise these on my Instagram, and nobody nobody's nobody's into it, bro. That surprises me, man. You'd think that would catch <laughs> on real quick. <laughs> oh. That's crazy. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I look into it. Are there no other like brands? Because they've been around forever, but you would think somebody else would have taken the more, like, sport um, kind of market. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't I don't think there are any other brands out there. Mm. I, think, I think Crocs is the main person. I could that's, be wrong. That's one of those things where, like, is there even a term for, like, what kind of because everybody just calls those Crocs, right? Which is like a brand, but it's not really like a type of shoe. Do yeah. they have like a name for it? Or are they I don't know. just called Crocs? That's a good question. No, they're called clogs. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're called clogs, but but I don't know if if another another company could use the word or the name clog. Even if it's so, because I think clogs are like a old like Scandinavian thing. Didn't they used to make them out of like wood? Like people be cruising around in like wood clogs. I might be <laughs> totally BSing on that, but oh no, maybe you're right. Look at this. You see this? Is that a sour patch. This <laughs> is the skin from my heel. <laughs> oh, it just ripped off because I had some fat blisters on from the from that rock. Yeah. Damn. All right, uh, dude. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Um, I would love to chat with you a little bit off of this podcast, but I'm gonna end this recording. Um, I just want to say thank you, man. Thank you for, for uh, just jumping on and and giving me some uh, insight onto what you do, the buildings, how it all works, and and absolutely, uh, dude. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, man, and and I love that you were able to share some in-depth knowledge. I know, like, you know, I asked a lot of questions, but you definitely did a great job in answering and giving me some insight on how how it all works. Um, so thank you. And I would just for like for people like you, you know, a good friend, it's it's easy to have these conversations. So 
I would love to do this again. Dude, I would definitely be down. It's kind of strange. Like, I've been listening to podcasts for, like, probably since I, like, first started college, maybe, like, end of high school, so, like, seven, eight years, and gotten, like, progressively more into it and more into it. But I've never, like, I've always thought about doing it, but I've never been on one, never been involved in anything. So it's a good little introduction for sure. Heck, I yeah. If you ever... It. If you ever want to get one started, let me know. I just broke. I know it's 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 not it's not crazy, but I just broke two thousand one hundred or two thousand. Yeah, I think two thousand one hundred plays. Wow, that's pretty sweet. It's pretty cool. I'll have like people contact me who like I don't really talk to, and they're like, "Hey, I heard this person on your podcast," and I'm like, "Dang, right on!" Like there are people that are listening that like I'm not even close with. Is there anybody who you legitimately don't know at all? Like, has it, because do you, is there any way to find it? Like, I know you post it on, like, Facebook, right? But if you're not, or whatever, social media, but if you're not connected with somebody, could they still find it? I think they could if they looked up certain tags, but for the most part, it's just people on my social media. Um, I did one, I did a podcast with a... Uh, like a, uh, I don't know if you remember, but it was with a, a friend of mine named Heather Wenner, and she's like a uh, a VP of accounting or something for a company called iHeartRadio. Oh, okay. And there was a girl in another state who had looked up her name, and uh, listen, and and the podcast popped up when she had looked up her name, and then so she listened to the podcast without knowing, just because it was associated with her name. You mean she looked it up on like Google or something yeah. and the podcast huh. came up? Yep. Wow, that is pretty sweet. Yeah, so she listened to it and then she texted, she like uh, messaged her. She was like, hey, I'm the, I think it was like the intern that she was going to be working with. She was like, hey, I'm the intern. I'm going to be working with you or something. And I listened to your podcast. It's pretty cool. You're such a badass. And I was like, <laughs> damn, that's cool that she got to hear about, you know, the person she's working with through a podcast. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a valuable platform because you could look somebody up and figure out, oh, they worked at this company and they're involved in this professional society. But, like, you don't know what kind of person they are, the mannerisms, anything like that. But if you hear, like, a long-form conversation, I think you can get a lot of insight. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, for sure. I think that's what's important about these two is, like, and that's why I also I don't really edit them. So the only time I edit is if there's like a long silence. Like I'm gonna have to edit this one, obviously, because because you know Stop. I was interrupted by. Yeah, <clears throat> but other than that, there's no real editing. It's just long form conversation. That's awesome, man. Yeah, man. All right. Well, I'm gonna end this, but thanks again, and um, we'll have to do this again. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. All right. Have a good one. You too.